Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. I am your host, Sarah, along with my lovely co-host, my husband, Dan. Hello. We are going to be discussing uh, some social issues, uh, things along the lines of domestic violence or intimate partner violence, um, and advocate and support uh, victims and survivors of such violence, as well as um, anyone who's been involved in uh, sexual assault or human trafficking as well. So uh, a lot of the issues and cases that we'll be discussing are going to be um, not for everyone and a little maybe hard to listen to. So uh, listener discretion is advised. So today's episode um, is going to be talking about an issue that's going on currently, which is the COVID-19 epidemic and the quarantine that has been going along with it. The quarantine has unfortunately brought about um, some increases in domestic violence calls to uh, shelters and uh, hotlines, as well as some police departments around the country. And uh, we're going to discuss what you can do if you are unfortunately a victim of domestic violence or if you are someone who knows someone who is a victim of domestic violence. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, 10 million people every year are physically abused by an intimate partner, and 20,000 calls are placed each day to domestic violence hotlines. And according to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, domestic violence is defined as a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be between husband and wife or people that live together. So it's also called intimate partner violence, which means that it can also involve uh, high school students or college partners. It doesn't always have to involve domestic partners. So a few of the characteristics of maintaining that power and control over the partner are things like keeping you or discouraging you from seeing friends or family members, controlling who you see, where you go, or what you do, or preventing you from working or attending school. Now, with the COVID-19 quarantine, it's making those three things a lot easier for abusers to control over their partners. Bad weather usually forces people indoors, and for Seattle's domestic violence organization, LifeWire, they see a spike in domestic violence calls when this happens. With the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, or SARS-CoV-2, it's forcing people to self-quarantine and social distance. It's likely there will be an increase in these types of calls. So I'm going to defer to Dan now so that he can explain a little bit about what COVID-19 is and why we even have the quarantine. So, COVID-19 is the coronavirus disease from 2019. It is caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus, related to the original SARS virus from 2002. Uh, it is a lower respiratory infection, which uh, binds to the ACE2 receptors in your lungs. Now, these are receptors that are in your alveoli, and your alveoli are little sacs that are all over the inside of your lung, and they're responsible for your gas exchange. So, when you've got a buildup of toxic CO2, in your bloodstream, you got to get rid of it, and you've got to replace it with nutritious oxygen. And it's the alveoli where this happens. 
So when you get any kind of infection in these alveoli, they fill with fluid and uh, they cannot perform this gas exchange, which is really bad. It's toxic to you. You build up uh, CO2 in your bloodstream. You can't put nice fresh oxygen in there. Um, and this can eventually lead to multi-system organ failure, which is real bad, as you can imagine. Um, what what is relevant in this case uh, is not even all that. It's not how severe the disease is. It's the fact that what's unique to SARS-CoV-2 is it has a uniquely long incubation period of up to 14 days. And in some cases, we've even seen 20, 25, 26 days. And uh, the, the virus can be transmitted asymptomatically. So that means that you can be feeling perfectly fine and you can go to work and you can infect every single one of your coworkers. And they can then be sick for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and they can continue to infect people and they won't even know that they're sick. So this causes a problem um, in stressed relationships because if, if you're quarantined for two weeks, you don't even know if you're sick. So that'll stress you out. Uh, that'll make you angry. That'll make you irritable. And if you've already got any kind of strained relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a professional relationship, this is just going to make things much worse. And uh, that's going to make it much easier for the abuser to go ahead and, and cause that abuse to the abused person. Yeah, exactly. So um, people who are trapped at home with their abusers are likely to face even more abuse, just as Dan mentioned. Uh, furthermore, tensions can rise when it comes to money and job outlook. As people are losing their jobs at an alarming rate, uh, that also tends to increase the possibility of domestic violence. And as of right now, we have the highest unemployment rate we've ever had in the history of this country, correct? Yeah, I mean, in some states, there are actually mandatory lockdowns. There are, you know, workforce reductions. So, yeah, absolutely. We're looking at a period in where... There are way more people sitting at home with nothing to do. And I mean, in some cases, that can be cool. You can work on that project that you've been thinking about, or you can, you know, get frustrated and get angry. And, and maybe you don't know what to do with your time. And unfortunately, maybe that that, that can cause some, cause some drama and some strife and, and even potentially some abuse. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so over the past few weeks, the Salt Lake City PD in Salt Lake City, Utah, has seen a 33% increase in domestic violence reports. Uh, and in Long Island's Nassau County, the domestic violence advocacy organization, the Safe Center LI, has seen a 10% increase in domestic violence calls versus calls at this time last year. Now, I, I don't really remember exactly what this time last year was like, but it definitely was not like it is right now. Uh, you know, it was the beginning of spring and the weather was nice. People were outside. I remember Easter time last year was really warm. Um, but this year, at least here on Long Island, it's gloomy outside. You know, a lot of people are taking this opportunity to go for walks, go to parks, things like that. But when we have weather like this, it also makes it hard to leave your home. Sure. I mean, not only are you stuck in because you're worried about getting sick, but yeah, you're stuck in because it's just crappy out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking out the window right now and it's just a gray, rainy day and it's been like that pretty much all week. Yeah. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted to do this weekend and I didn't get any of it yep, done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've been stuck in the house. <laughs> um, 
So this is not just happening here in the States. Uh, this is actually happening all over the world. And since the beginning of the pandemic, the hashtag anti-domestic violence during epidemic has been trending on the Chinese social media platform Sina Weibo. And my apologies to anyone who speaks Chinese or is Chinese. I cannot pronounce these words, so I am trying my best. Uh, Wan Fei, the founder of an anti-violence nonprofit in Jinshu. Jinshu? Sure. Sure. Um, said that reports of domestic violence have nearly doubled since cities went into quarantine. Doubled. That's great. Now, think about that number. Yeah, that's insane. That's I mean, obviously, we're not going from two to four. Right. We're going probably from thousands right. to even more thousands yeah, I mean, of that's people. Crazy. How many people are in China in uh, the population? It's, it's quite a few. It's over a billion, right. I believe. Right. So, I mean, so, yeah. we can only imagine what those numbers are like. And this is because, again, China is in quarantine. They're on lockdown. They can't leave their homes. They're making sure that everybody is staying safe in the context of this virus. But unfortunately, that means that a lot of people aren't staying safe from their abusers. Right. So home can be a very scary place for some people right now, and they have no respite as they normally would, like school or work. They're being forced to be confined with their abusers 24-7. So I'm going to talk about a case now uh, that happened here in the States in the 1960s. Um, it's not exactly um, like the quarantine, but it did happen during some bad weather, which we can equate to, you know, being stuck inside during this quarantine. Bonnie married her husband at 18 years old, and six months in, she began to realize he was not exactly who she thought he was. She said she often found herself in bad situations and that her husband was a heavy drinker. But one night in 1962, it all came to a head. During a harrowing Michigan snowstorm, and I'm sure for people in Michigan, they understand how harrowing those snowstorms can be. Uh, you know, like I said, Dan and I live here on Long Island in New York, and uh, we can get some pretty bad snowstorms ourselves. Yeah, when it snows, it snows. Yeah, so uh, we can only imagine what it's like north of us. <laughs> um, but during the snowstorm, the cabin fever of being trapped inside their home took its toll. Bonnie went into their kitchen to do some cleaning, and, you know, she just thought that she would go uh, clean the floor, do some dishes, um, you know, do some light cleaning around the house. Why not? You're yeah. trapped inside. Take care of some of that stuff that you've been meaning to do. And... Makes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and unbeknownst to her, her husband followed her in and grabbed her from behind. And he threw her across the room and smashed her into cabinets. Jeez. And that's just not okay ever. Like, I don't care who you are. No. You just can't be doing that. No. Uh, he then kicked her and threw her outside into the freezing snow and locked her out. Oh, my God. Yeah. She said that due to her feelings of humiliation, she decided to not seek help from neighbors. Instead, she felt the only thing she could do at the time was bang on the door of their home to be let back in. Oh, my goodness. Why would you even want to go back? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the humiliation was just too great for her. Yeah. And she felt like she didn't have anywhere to go. And that just so... sucks to feel so trapped. So mastered like that. It's, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She basically just invited herself back into the misery and isolation. Uh, 
Bonnie went back because, as she stated, at that time, you know, this is the 1960s, uh, there were no shelters and no true advocacy programs. Uh, she had no safe haven. She had nowhere to go aside from back home. Oh, yeah. I mean, back then, you know, it was it was really difficult for women. It was difficult for African-Americans and other minorities. Mm -hmm. You know, if you weren't a white man in the 60s, life was really much more difficult. Exactly. For you. you didn't have a lot of options professionally. You didn't have as many options personally. Right. So if you're in a situation like this, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how you get out. But while this story of abuse is extremely common, this is a story of survival. Uh, Bonnie later divorced her abuser and changed her last name to Buckaroo. <laughs> Bonnie Buckaroo. Bonnie Buckaroo. That's great. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite parts of the Sounds story. Sounds like a Marvel superhero. Right, doesn't she? And she, she kind of was. She kind of was. Um, she found out that she had a free name change that came along with her divorce. <laughs> so she was like, why not take this opportunity? I'm going to reinvent myself. Yeah, sure. And she became Bonnie Buckaroo. But she changed the spelling of Buckaroo to uh, a French spelling so that it was a little more, uh. you know, fancy and a little more her. Right. So it was uh, B-U-C-Q-U-E-R-O-U-X. So Bonnie Buckaroo. Uh, she became a successful journalist and professor at Michigan State University. I believe she started out teaching criminal justice there and then oh. transitioned into teaching journalism. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, she actually has uh, some YouTube videos, too. Oh, wow. She was teaching some journalism classes. So I, I watched her on YouTube the other day as well. Um, so you should find her on YouTube and, and watch some of her videos. She's, she's great. I would have probably loved to have had her as a professor. Uh, and she was absolutely loved by her students and, and colleagues. Her former radio show co-host, Bill, said Bonnie was a kind and giving person and, quote, always reaching out to people in need. Uh, Bonnie used her domestic violence uh, experience to advocate for others. Through her work, she also became an activist for domestic violence awareness. Very so, good. yeah, Very she, good. she used her, her experiences and her trauma to create better outcomes for for the future generations yeah i mean unfortunately it, you kind of have to go through it to know it you know they you know they say you don't know if you haven't been there and right. unfortunately this is the kind of thing that you really don't know unless you've lived through it i mean you can Absolutely. you can see it in movies you can listen to podcasts about it mm -hmm. but but you don't really know until it's happened to Absolutely. you Absolutely. And so it takes that unique perspective, unfortunately, right. of that really traumatic negative experience mm -hmm. to be able to overcome it and help others through it. Definitely. Uh, absolutely. And uh, in October of 2015, um, at the age of 71, Bonnie unfortunately passed away. But her legacy lives on at MSU through the Bonnie Buckaroo Memorial Fund for scholarship funding to students of journalism. Uh, Bonnie was a survivor, even through a time when domestic violence was not taken as seriously as it should have been, and at a time when asking for help was not common. Mm -hmm. Thankfully today, though, uh, programs and resources exist for victims and survivors. Um, so now we're actually going to discuss some, some resources and safety planning for those who are stuck at home with abusers during, during this time. Uh, so there's always a need to know how to get to a safe place and how to create safety in an otherwise unsafe place. One recommendation from Katie Ray Jones, the CEO of NDVH, 
is to always be aware of your surroundings. If an argument breaks out, identify the safest place in the house, ensuring it is away from objects that can be weaponized, like in the bathroom or the kitchen. You right. obviously don't want to be going into the kitchen. Full of those knives. Knives, pans. Cutting boards. Exactly, yeah, sure. exactly. Anything that can be used as, you know, um, a, a, something that can hit you, something right. that can cut right. you. Yeah. Um, you know, even in the bathroom, um, there are a lot of things in there that can be used as a weapon sure, as well. Sure, you can, you can, you know, there's glass in the mirror. You right. can, you know, there are porcelain objects. Mm -hmm. That can be very hard, and yeah. when those break, they create sharp shards. Yeah. You can be pushed over the tub, yeah. hit your head. I mean, oh, yeah. Where would you suggest maybe somebody going in in their home to, so if you can't, to be a little safer? If you can't get out, which which is obviously the most important thing, right. unless, of course, there's some kind of crazy blizzard or, or something, you know, place one is, is to just try to get out right. and, and just get to others. Um, but if you can't... Um, and, you know, your first priority should be any room that's got a lock on the inside. Yeah. If you can lock yourself in and you and that door can't be open from the outside, that's a great place to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you don't have that option, like you said, you just, you don't want to be, if you're already in the kitchen, just get out of the kitchen. Go yeah. into, you know, maybe a living room or a den, something where there's a couch. Yeah. You know, something where there are softer, softer things, safer objects. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're if you're in the bathroom, try to get out. Obviously, that's a pretty restricted space, so yeah. it's pretty difficult to get out. Although most bathrooms do have locks on them. Yeah, right. So, so if you, know, you if can get in to, there and get right. that door shut in time, right? Yeah, that's you know, lock it. You know, hopefully you've got your phone on you and yeah. you can call the police. Or if there's a large enough window in the bathroom, uh, I know unfortunately out. some bathrooms don't have large windows, but right. if there is, yeah, you can get out that way. And even if you can't get out that way, just open that window and start shouting for help. Absolutely. You know, maybe a good Samaritan comes across. Maybe you're lucky and a, a cop car happens right. to be out on patrol or right. something like that. Or even if people just hear you and call the police for you yeah. mm -hmm. you know it's yeah. it's better than nothing right it really is right which actually um kind of segues us into the next one um so ruth glenn the ceo of uh ncadv suggests confiding in a close family member or friend and uh someone who can make a call to a hotline or on your behalf uh to the um police um if it's not possible for you to make the call yourself. So, you know, like Dan just said, if if you can yell for help out the window, um, you know, hopefully somebody can hear you and, and they can make that that call. Um, you know, even if you're not in that situation and in, in an emergent situation like that, you know, just just talking to family and friends and letting them know that there's right. a situation in your home that you you need help from or yeah. safety from yeah i mean after the fact if you if you couldn't avoid the incident you know so be it you know accept that accept that you didn't deserve it first of all Absolutely. that you didn't you didn't have it coming you no. know you did everything that you could to avoid the situation and, right. and it is what it is it happened and you can move forward past it but like you said you know just try to try to confide in people and, yeah. and i know that can be really difficult it can be embarrassing it can feel like a, it can feel like a weakness yeah it can it, it can bring up 
feelings of intense sadness. Yes. So it's maybe difficult to get the words out, but, right. but you've got to get them out, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So confide in a family member or a really yeah. close friend right. or, 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 you know, anyone that you can, anyone that you can trust, you know, even if it's, it's a new area and none of your family lives there and you haven't made any friends yet, just anyone that you can trust, mm -hmm. just, just talk to them, any reasonable person, you know, right. because, because they'll tell you, oh yeah, no, that's, that's a crap situation. And, and, and you need to, you, you know, we, we need to, we need to resolve it one way or the other, whether it's, whether it's getting you out or maybe, you know, working the pro working through the problem with that person. I mean, that's, that's unlikely in most of these cases, but it's, it is an option sometimes, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, just, just find someone that you can trust. Right. And, yeah. and if you have, if you're lucky enough that that's a family member, you know, a parent, a sibling, mm -hmm. You know, whoever it may be, then yeah, talk to them and yeah. they'll they'll help you out. If anything, they'll just help you out emotionally. Right. They'll help exactly. you out just by listening and letting you get it out. Yeah. If you keep it bottled up, not only is it going to eat away at you. Yeah. Um, and, and ruin the rest of your life for which that's a part of you. Yeah. But it's you're never going to come to the conclusion in your head where this has got to stop. Yeah. Because look, the fact is, if you're an abusive, if you're in an abusive situation, it's got to stop. Yeah. One way or the other, it's got to stop, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's, you know, police kicking down a door and arresting someone or a serious conversation where somebody realizes that they're behaving in an unacceptable way. Right. And maybe that person really realizes that and, mm -hmm. and, and, and discontinues that behavior. You know, those are the two ends of the extreme, right. but they, it can go to either one of them. You know, again, this right. doesn't have to end in police kicking down a door with guns drawn. This can... Right. But, but the most important thing is that you just get out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even if you confide in those, those people and, you know, they, some people can't provide emotional support. They don't understand how to do that. Maybe they can provide you with a safe place to stay, even if it's for one night or two nights, um, you know, just to, to have someone who knows so that when something goes terribly wrong, they're at least there to help you in that situation. Right. Um, do not think that it's showing vulnerability or weakness to no. ask for help. No, everybody needs help. Everybody needs help. So always, always ask for help. Um, but uh, it is worth noting that hotlines and shelters are open during the quarantine. Um, some of them have closed, uh, but the majority of them are open. Hotlines especially are open. You can always call um, to talk to somebody. You can uh, get information from them about local uh, places that are open for you. So if you live in Ohio, if you live in Utah, if you live in Nevada, um, you know, if you call different hotlines or um, the National Domestic uh, Violence Hotline, which I'll give the phone number for at the end, um, they will give you information about where to go in your uh, local area or who to talk to in that area. It may be that they're going to send you to talk to the police to file a police report, um, but they might send you to a specific shelter or um, advocacy group. Um, so if need be, always, always, always 911 in an emergency situation. Yeah, always. Sure. Don't forget that that's there. <laughs> you know, don't think that you have to call hotline all the time. 911. Always there. Yeah, if you need help right now, that's that's yes. the number you need to call and you know, you don't you don't you don't have to explain yourself. No. You know, they people get hung up on this idea that like, oh, I can't call 911. I'm going to get in trouble. Right. It's like, no, 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 you're already in trouble. 
call 911. You don't owe anyone an explanation. Exactly. If, they, if, if the police arrive and you look like you're distraught, they're not going to judge you. Correct. They're just, they're just going to help yeah. you. Yeah. And at least for that moment, you'll, you'll be you'll safe. Be safe. Yeah. Uh, and one last piece of advice uh, for victims is to create a go bag with essentials that you can grab if you need to find safety elsewhere. So if you need to get out immediately, you have your essentials in that bag. Um, so I would personally recommend, you know, putting clothes in there, um, putting things like toothbrushes, um, you know, maybe some soap. Um, things like that. A little bit of cash. Exactly. Yes. Cash. Um, if you have, and you have access to them, you know, important documents. So a passport, a driver's license, um, your birth certificate, social security card, right. um, things like that. You know, not everybody's going to have access to those. And even copies of these things yes. will help you because even though you do need the originals to like go through official procedures, just having the copies of them to present to, for example, the police exactly. will certainly help. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, making a to-go bag is, is essential. Yeah. Um, so for those who are not in these types of situations, uh, you can be of extreme help also during this time and all other times when anybody needs your help. So be aware of your neighbors and friends. Uh, if you see or hear something that does not seem right, call a hotline and they can advise you as to what steps to take next. Hotlines are there for supporters as well. And I know it's going to sound super cliche. And again, being from New York, we say this all the time. But if you see, see something, something, say, say something. something. Exactly. Um, you know, don't 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 do the the bystander effect thing where you right. hear something going on. You know that it's a bad situation, but you assume other people are going to be calling because every single person in that situation probably believes that someone else is going to be calling. Be the person to call. 911, these hotlines, they would rather get 10, 20 calls to make sure that somebody is safe than not get a call at all and have this turn into a very bad situation. Yeah. And even, even like I was saying before, don't feel like you can't call 911, even as a bystander. Yes. You know, if you, even if you're totally wrong and it's not what you thought it was, they're not going to arrest you. They're not going to judge you. Like you're just going to say, Hey, look, I, I saw something that I thought was a bad situation, maybe it wasn't, and they'll be like, okay, no problem. Uh, but maybe it was a bad situation, and maybe you helped somebody out. Maybe you saved somebody's life. Yes. Take the chance. Absolutely. Definitely. If you or someone you know needs help, you can reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline at www.thehotline.org. You can also call them at 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 7233. So 1-800-799-7233. They're available 24-7. And they also have a chat option on their website. So if you don't feel comfortable calling or you can't call, you can always go on to the website and do uh, a free chat with them on there. They also have a safety exit on the website, so you can get out of the website without anybody knowing that you were there. So that's it for the episode. Our first episode. Woo! It's in the books. It's in the books. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. So stay safe. Social distance if you can. Always be aware of your surroundings. And do not ever be afraid to ask for help. 
Thank you for listening to episode one. I hope this information can help. And for more information about hotlines and references for this episode, please see the show notes. Until next time.